Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. I am Mark Heath, I'm your host and in the spirit of the show I'm joined by three fairly mediocre kings to discuss Ipswich Town today. We've got a lot to talk about. I'm going to start with the man we missed on Monday. I call him my friend. I also call him Hutch Hogan. We found out a little bit about you as well Hutch in your absence on Monday. A man who likes to draw himself a warm bath and kick back with an episode or two of Naked Attraction. Okay, that was discussed. Uh, yeah, I, w- I watched. I watched Naked Attraction, um, and I've only ever watched it in Premier Inn hotels. I don't watch it at home. Don't think CD. I've ever watched it at home. CD. But I only it only comes on to the TV when traveling away to watch it switch town. And largely in the Premier Inn with Lenny Henry tucked up next to me. What is it about it that makes it suitable for watching when you're on your own in a hotel room? Minimal channel choices. Uh, starts at 11 o'clock, which is around bedtime. Yeah. Uh, you find it eases you into sleep. Yep. Yep. The content of it eases me into sleep. Did you, I don't know what episode you saw. My wife is a huge fan. I don't watch it as a matter of course. But she said, I've got to show you something. Um, and she duly put me onto a show, which I believe is the most recent episode, which featured what I can only describe as the largest male appendage I've ever seen with my two eyes. Was that the same one that you watched? It sounds similar <laughs> to the one that I watched. on. Was this Friday night? I think it must have been Friday night, yeah, because she showed me over the weekend. Good Lord. Brought tears to the eyes. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, it, may well, it may well do that. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, someone Let's... else who... Uh, who occasionally brings tears to the eyes with the beauty of his craft. Stuart, the Dr. Watson, how are you, my rather beefcake friend? All the better for moving on from that, that <laughs> opening conversation. <laughs> I, was, I was fearful that we were heading for deep waters then. Don't worry, I pulled up. everybody concerned that we yeah, moved st- on. I stopped that digression pretty quickly. I didn't know where it might end up. Uh, and finally, of course, the third wheel on this particular K-Way bus today, or indeed the fourth, I suppose, technically, the hairy one. The prince of facial features. I guess we've all got facial features, actually. That's not technically correct. Uh, but anyway, he's definitely the prince, the prospect, the prodigy. Ross Halls, how are you? I'm real well. I like Naked Attraction too. Excellent. Any, anything else to add to that? Or just, just a statement of fact? Just, you know, boobs and all that. Excellent. Superb. Welcome. Analysis. Welcome. Let's move Welcome. on. Welcome to the South Bank show. <laughs> right then, friends, um, there's a lot to talk about on today's show. Uh, we're going to have a, an in-depth chat about squad analysis, fan forum. There's going to be a new feature featuring Roscoe turning, turning his hand to being an interviewer. Um, but before we get going, I have an apology to make. Uh, on Monday's show, I, uh, I said that real ale was nonsense, foul. And if you drink it, you're an old man just weeks from death. Um, I've had quite a lot of complaints about that. Uh, my friend Peach Meister, uh, Charlie, come at me as well, saying that's nonsense. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, friends, it's usually best to ignore what I say. That's certainly the, the approach that my wife takes. Uh, and it turns out I do actually like two real ales. Doom Bar. <laughs> <laughs> Doom Bar and Ghost Ship, uh, I didn't realise, technically were real ales. So I, I've already been educated. And if you want to educate me further, send me recommendations. Charlie's given me neck oil, I think, from Beaver Town, which I'll be... Um, attempting to track down and, and throw down my neck in short order friends real ale apparently is a thing now you don't have to be 95 years old um and and incontinent to sip it um so there we go i'll, I'll be getting involved with that 
What is real ale? Why is it real? Oh, I don't and what know. Is, what is it's fake not... ale? I don't know. Any, any, Stewie, are you, are you more educated than I on, on ale? Uh, I wouldn't say as far as educated, but yeah, I'll, I'll have one from time to time. I, I certainly wouldn't have taken the, uh, the extreme view that it's all, all dishwater that you took um, before. I want you to double down on your opinions. You crumble very quickly. Get a couple of tweets that go, I don't disagree with that. You just want to please all the people all the time. That's if you me. don't like real ale, just say so, my friend. It's fine. But in, in, in fairness, uh, uh, that, that view is formed by having a, a couple that, that literally were tasted like pond water uh, and a, a kind of, I suppose, a, a stereotypical view of real ale, ale drinkers as, as men who's who sit in pubs all day um, with flat caps and whippets, um, which apparently is not now the done thing when it comes to real ale. It's cool. Um, so I'm going to get involved. <laughs> I'm always... And so, uh, so you should, mate. If it's cool, you absolutely. need to be there. I, I need to be involved. It's, it's a scene that I need to get involved in. And I'm always willing to be educated about anything. So there we go. Real ale. I'm on it. Friends, the main thrust of today's show is going to be squad analysis uh, in the spirit of state of the nation type of stuff really given we've got a new prime minister who's a norwich city fan boo hiss um we're not going to talk about politics but a state of the nation kind of stock take if you like clearly town now have their squad set at least until january um and it struck me that it could be quite a good conversation to have and, and indeed hutchie's kicked the ball off by writing an excellent piece you can go and read now this morning his thoughts on the Ipswich town squad so what we're going to do is spend the next 10 15 minutes talking about the players that town have got where they fit and ultimately, who's going to play overall? So I'm going to invite you, Andy Hutch Warren, to kick us off with your thoughts, because you penned the piece today. We'll do it in the same way that you did in your piece, i.e. take it position by position, um, goalkeepers, centre-backs, left side, right side, midfielders, forwards, strikers, whatever. Um, so I guess, how do you want to start it, Hutchie? You'd be the master of our destination. Can I give you a couple of gem- general thoughts before, mm. we, before we pick? Gem- generally... I think the squad is very strong. Kieran McKenna's right. Two, they have two good up to the standard players for every position. And in my mind, and I'm sure the minds of many, um, there's actually a, a starting 11 emerging. They're all going to get games. But for me, there's a strongest 11 emerging with a couple of exceptions. So mm. um, it's a squad that should be firmly in the mix. Okay. Well, shall we kick off then? Go. Do you want to start, Stewie? I mean, goalkeeper is obviously the place to start, and it's also probably the easiest position to have a discussion around in terms of we know exactly what's what's happening there. Christian Walton is town's number one, without question. Hladke is his backup. Hutchie has mentioned, I believe, uh, was it last week on the on the deadline deadline day, show? day? You said that one of the things that worries you about the squad, no, there's not many things that worry about the squad, is what happens if Walton gets injured. Do you share that same fear? Watto, because there's a huge drop-off, isn't there, between Walton and Hadley? Yes, yes and no, because Christian <laughs> Walton is 80-plus championship appearances. He's the best in the league, for I think, by general consensus. He's been outstanding, but let's not forget Vasclav Hladke was signed to be the number one. He'd just been the best goalkeeper in the league below. He's played in Scotland. Yes, you're right. It would be a big drop off, but I think he's a very capable understudy there in in Vasclav Plagki. Um It's not like you'd suddenly be dipping into the under twenty threes and chucking a kid in goal. So, um, 
I've quite liked whenever he had a really sticky start to life at Ipswich Town, as did so many players. It was a big ask. Suddenly you're being, a, especially a goalkeeper, you've got a whole whole different defence in front of you. It probably wasn't the easiest starts for him. Then up along comes Walton. But do you know what? On the odd occasion where he has sort of been called in for the cup or odd occasion, I think he's, he's done quite well to sort of bounce back and do all right. But um, there's not much of a debate here to be had around the goalkeeper, is it? Ipswich have got the best in the league and. Um, Happy days. Hopefully, he stays fit. The big area I see. Look, I, I completely agree. He's a, as I said last week, he's a, he's a solid goalkeeper. They've they've got two solid goalkeepers. But the one big area where Walton set himself apart from the keepers of of past years is his aerial ability, his ability to come for crosses and catch pretty much everything. That's not a strong suit of of Hladke. He's he's slightly undersized. He's he's a puncher, more of a catcher, which. Um, brings with it slightly more risk. He's a decent puncher, to be fair to him, but he's also that little bit smaller. And that's the one big area of drop-off that I that I that I worry about. I like this Ipswich squad, but I, I do genuinely fear that a, a season ending Christian Walton injury changes an awful an awful lot. Um mm. they'll have a good goalkeeper in goal, but they won't have the best goalkeeper in the league anymore. And that that's why that worries me worries me a little bit. You share that same concern, Roscoe? Yeah, Christian Walton is too good for League One. He's too good for League One. Um, Alanka, you know, he, he won the Golden Glove, you know, that was, a couple, that was last season or two seasons ago now. But um, when you sort of change a goalkeeper out of nowhere, you just don't get the same with Walton. Walton is just unreal. Um, but we shall see. Uh, hopefully Walton's all good. He'll be all good all season and we don't need to worry about that. But you never know. Yeah, realistically, you're not going to have some. You're not going to have an equally good goalkeeper as backup. It's just not. It's just not viable, is it? You're not going to have anyone close to. You're not going to have a championship standard goalkeeper sitting on your bench week in, week out. Um, I think he's fine as a backup option. He's absolutely fine. Right. Let's move on from goalkeeper. Clearly, Walton number one with a bullet, and let's hope nothing happens to him over the course of the season. Centre-backs then, central defence. Um, I'll read the, the, the players out in that position. Um, we can talk about them. So you've got, obviously, JD, Janoi Danassian, Luke Wolfenden, uh, Edmondson, Richard Keogh, and big Cameron Burgess. As it stands, two of those, Janoi Danassian and Luke Wolfenden, seem to be set in stone. And obviously, Burgess has come in for, for George Edmondson in recent times. Hutchie, do you want to kick us off with your thoughts on this position? Yeah, um, yeah. As I as I wrote this morning, it, it feels like those two that you've mentioned are, are kind of got the two hands on on the shirts. Danassian in particular, because I don't particularly enjoy talking about formation numbers and things like that. But it, it does feel to me like it's becoming more of a back four at certain times. It felt like that to me at the weekend. Um, there are certain games where it looks more like that, and, and Danassian's vital to that because he's both the first choice right-sided center half if there's a 3 and the right side and the right back if it's a 2 um a back a central defensive 2 so he'd be in there Wolfenden I think's taken it up a level in the last week or so I've enjoyed him that little bit more and that leaves 3 going into 1 um for me at the at the moment on on the left side of if either the 2 or the or the 3 which we can uh, we, which we can chat about now because there's this there's three good good players there um Bouncing, bouncing around, vying for a spot. 
Offer up your thoughts then, Hutchie. At the moment, the incumbent is, in terms of most recent selection, is Cameron Burgess. Um, obviously, Edmonton, Keogh in discussion there as well. How do you, how do you kind of compare those and their, their relative strengths? Burgess, Burgess played really well at Accrington at the weekend, and there's no doubt that there are certain games that suit him. Games like Burton, which he actually didn't play in um, until making one, uh, one really good header from a corner to clear it right at the end. Um, but he, there are certain games that suit him. Balls into the box. He's he's really good at it. Um, there are other games where Ipswich want to be on the front foot, where you you might want a, a a defender that's more on the front foot potentially. And I think Edmondson and, and certainly Keo could could be that. It's a really interesting one because going into the season, you'd think a, a really fit, strong George Edmondson would be would be mm. a lock, but it's not. It's not turned out that way, and he's got he's got a little bit of a fight and particularly because like kind of looming over all of this is a vastly experienced decorated championship international performer who could play uh, both Wolfenden's role and, and Edmondson's, I think um, Edmondson slash Burgess pretty comfortably. So um, mm. it's interesting. I, I, I don't, I want to see Edmondson come to the fore and, and be that guy because that's the future. But um but he hasn't, so he's left. He's left himself vulnerable there. Mm. Well, it's interesting to see where you stand on this, Stewie Edmondson, because the idea that George Edmondson wouldn't be a nailed-on starter before the start of the season, or indeed last season, would have been slightly fanciful and a bit surprising. Cameron Burgess, we know, has his strengths, but he also has his weaknesses. We've seen him succumb to pace when he when he's turned, struggle in that regard. Um, how do you see that? That matchup is, is Burgess literally coming in for, for games where they're expecting an aerial bombardment and a bit of physical argy bargy, and Everson comes back in otherwise. How, how do you see it? Possibly, yeah. I think that the, the two games that you've referenced, Burton and Aquinton, are small, tight pitches as well. You've referenced mm. Burgess's weaknesses probably getting caught high up the pitch, getting turned on a, on a tighter pitch. You're lessening the, the chance of that happening. Mm. And Portman Road, like you say, when Perhaps one of your spare man is one of the back three, and there's more onus on them joining the attack and building the play. It's not quite for him, so maybe it'll be a bit of horses for courses from McKenna, depending on certain games. Um, yeah, you're right. Edmund, Edmondson not being a, a starter would have been unthinkable going back six months ago. I guess his best form came pre McKenna, really. George mm. Edmondson, I'd say he's the one player that you would say has gone backwards would be, sound too strong but he's um he's not hit the same heights under McKenna I think he looked better in a, in a central defensive two than he has done a three maybe not um completely naturally suited to the left side of those three and then you throw in a really nasty ankle injury which there's no no doubt sort of played his part in a in a slightly slower start to the season and you you can see kind of where where we've ended up with Burgess playing a couple of games recently um Keo I still think they're just biding their time and waiting till he's kind of got up to speed with the principles of how this team functions a little bit. And I do feel like I've said this loads of times when he gets in, I think he might stay in because this is a guy with 450 plus championship experiences. He was still rattling him out last season as well. So mm. he's by no means on the scrap heap here. He's not come here to be a cheerleader. I'm, I'm sure. So um, that'll be interesting when he gets his first league start and then, and then whether he gets uh, he gets his hands on it from there. 
it's inevitable that Keo comes in and becomes a star because I put him ninth on my list of summer signings. So that is definitely going to happen. Roscoe, George Edmondson, we know because the boys have spoken about it before. Someone like Mick Mills, legend of this parish, mm-hmm. believes that Edmondson is not in the right position there. Um, have you got any thoughts on that and, and in terms of who you'd select and how you'd line up that back three as it is at the moment? Uh, fridge, fridge, fridge. You know, what, what, a, you know, what a season he had last year before that injury, of course. But I still don't think he's recovered from that injury. You know, he's recovered in terms of coming back and, you know, he's fit to play. But I think he's still maybe nursing it a little bit. You know, he still doesn't want to maybe go too too crazy because you just don't want to basically have a same injury again. Mm. Um, and yes, you know, I think that is maybe his weak side of his game, playing the left side of that, that back three. Um, but he's still a very talented player, you know, for this, for this level. Um, but I echo what Stu said. When Richard Keogh gets in the team, I can't see him getting out of the team because, you know, that many appearances, he's at the end of his career now. So I'm sure he doesn't want to be sitting on the bench, travelling week in, week out, not playing. I'm sure he wants to end his career playing week in, week out. Of course, making his um, childhood dream of playing for the club, you know, when he was, you know, a boy, a, a ball boy and, you know, with the academy. Um, you know, that game he played against um, Northampton, you know, being on the pitch at Port Rove, finally being a town player um, and a very experienced player. He's still got it, you know, even though he's 35, whatever he is now, um, he's still a very good player. Um, what was the question originally? How would you line him up? <laughs> all, all things being equal, I'm going to ask you all this uh, as we go through the positions. Who would you line up? So you, at the moment, it's Donatian, it's Wolfie and it's Burgess in terms of most recent selection. Yeah, JD is spot. You know, he's you can't change that. I'll I'll keep Wolfenden. I think Wolfenden is he has his moments. You go, oh, what's he doing there? But he's he's solid for League One. I'm I'm happy with Wolfenden there. And then yeah, it depends on the opposition. Sometimes you know we, we've seen Burgess. He, he starts against the big boys, you know, Accrington and Co. Burton and all that. Um, and I do like Burgess. Um, I think he's definitely proved some of the doubt was wrong in terms of like you know he had a few little dodgy moments, but. Uh, at the moment, you got you got to start Burgess. I think he's he's been the main man there at the moment. So that is my back three. Allow me, Hutchie, before you give your back three to lob a little wild card into the mix. Pin out, throw it in. Greg Lee could he do the job at, at left centre back? He's a big, physical, athletic gent. Is there any argument to have a look at him back there? We simply don't need it. You like Greg Lee, don't you? I bloody love Greg Lee. I want to, I want to um, see him start. Play him up front. I think he could do it. I think he could definitely play that role. But as, yeah. um, I think that we're talking about three players going into one position here. I'm not. Mm. I'm not sure he's quite in that. He's not in that mix. I wouldn't say at the moment. But if they need him to, he could certainly do it. He's the same. I thought Dominic Thompson could do it last season as well. Uh, they've got mm. the attributes to do it. Okay. So what would your three be going forward? I appreciate. Obviously, it's going to potentially change on opponent. But in terms of the best three. That you could you would field, what would it be? I, I want to see Donassian, Wolfend, and Edmondson work. That's what that's what I want to see. And I would, yeah. Uh, at the moment, I'd I'd keep going. I'd keep going with that. But Richard Keogh is a real loomer. Uh, reminds me of the Streets of <laughs> Streets of Rage computer game where the evil guy came over with his claws like that. He's kind of. of- Streets of Rage was unbelievable. What, Streets what of Rage Two game? is Streets yeah. of Rage Two is the best computer game ever made, and yeah. Richard Keo is Doctor whatever his name is, Doctor X whatever his name is. He's old enough he to is. remember it as well, I'd imagine. Keo, he's the same age as me, so yeah. There we go. Is. 
Roscoe's over there like that. Absolutely no idea what we're talking about. Streets of Rage. No. And I think he, Keo could play the centre. He could play in the middle, and he could play on the left, left okay. as well. So I don't. As much as I think Wolfenden's got, I think he's improved in the last week or so. But he needs to not rest because he's Richard a, Keo, the Luma. That's not a nickname. Am I right in thinking in in the summer when we were chatting about this that we talked about maybe when the music stops that Janoi Danassian might be the one yep. without a chair? And I can't quite remember what the scenario would well, have we, been there because the Keo wasn't in the building, obviously, by that point. At the time, we talked about Ndaba coming into the left centre-back side, right. didn't we? Uh, and everyone shifting along. And JD, poor old Janoi, getting hoofed out of the team in that way. Clearly, that's not going to happen with Corey now. Um do I need to ask what you think, or do, are you just going to second what Hutchie says, which is normally what happens between you two? Um, I, I can see the thinking behind sticking with Edmondson because he's your biggest asset going forwards and mm. you want to get him back to those levels that we'd seen before and he's the one that you could kind of, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, if if and when you can get promoted, he's the one that hopefully you can, can go on the journey with you. Um, Richard Keogh for the greatest will is is a bit more of a short-term fix going on. But um, yeah, I, I really don't know. I just broadly, broadly agree with Andy that there's probably what, you know, several players fighting for that left-sided uh, role at the moment. I'm not quite, quite sure who, if anyone will, alter, whether it's going to be a sort of a week in week out back three, or whether we're going to just see sort of changes. Um, a bit of a rotation system going on there is probably my, my gut feeling. Okay, I'm going to stick with you, Stewie, on the left-hand side. Leif Davis, Greg Lee, potentially the best player in this squad. Um, how do you see that shaking up? Because clearly Leif Davis is the million-pound boy. He's, he's the golden goose. He's the he's the man they brought in to be the star on that left-hand side. Um, and you boys have been increasingly impressed with him. So is he the un- unquestioned starter going forward? Yeah, I think when you've spent that much money, we're, talk, we're talking about it being a million pound plus. It's near, near a million and a half, by the way. <laughs> so that's um, a lot of money for, for a left back at this level. Um, and he's right when he says it's kind of, we talked about it being a hybrid system that I think is is morphing more and more towards a, a 4-2-3-1 with Davis sort of left back with that sort of tucked in inside left forward that, that leaves a lot of space for Davis to go into. Um yeah, when when you've paid that much money for a player, he's got to be the one you stick with, and I, I, he's got better and better as the games have gone by. I thought he was right up there in terms of it, which is best performers at Accrington last weekend as as well. But of course, you've got your boy Greg Lee as a, as a very capable backup, slightly different skill set, both athletic, both strong, but you know maybe adds a little bit more airily for for different different types of tests, but. Davis is going to play the majority of games as long as he stays fit. They're well blessed with Lee there. I think I think Lee's role could, he could be part of the substitute unit potentially. He might mm. get the final fifteen minutes of games where they might need to see off the kitchen sink a little bit. Um, they've really upgraded that position, really upgraded it from from where it was at last season, which was a bit of a, a merry go round with seven seven players, I think maybe even eight used. So a real upgrade. Mm. I'm trying so hard not to give Greg Lee a nickname and curse his Ipswich Town career because his name lends itself to quite a few options, but I won't, I won't discuss that. I don't want to spend too much time discussing the left or indeed the right side because it's fairly obvious and there's there's more interesting um, discussions to be had. Um, so clearly Davis is in ascendancy on the left with Lee's capable backup. Right side, Roscoe, we've got um, Welsh Jesus, 
Wes Burns on on the right hand side. That's not a nickname. I don't know what I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, oh no, I don't know what I've done. Oh, oh, why, no. why did I say that? Why did I do that? Um, rewind. And then, rewind, yeah, that. rewind. Just ignore that. We've got Wes, Wesley James Burns on the right hand side, uh, a man who has no nicknames. Uh, and then obviously behind him, you've got the likes of Carl Edwards and and KVY. Burns is undoubtedly, unquestionably, probably one of the first names on the team sheet when he's fit. He's not quite hit the heights so far this season. Um, that's the way it is, though, isn't it? On the right-hand side, KVY Edwards as, as backups. Yeah, not, not bad backups either. You know, KVY and Carl Edwards. Um, yeah, whereas Burns is the guaranteed star. Yeah, he's not hit the heights just yet, but he, you know, he's only really had half a preseason. Still early days. I think now everyone else is chipping in with goals and assists. So, um, but yeah, he's guaranteed starting, any he? Because he's Wes Burns. Hmm. Do you know? I'm not as convinced on that. What? I'm not as conv- I just I like it. I don't think anyone is untouchable in this team, and we George Edmondson is proof of that. We've just had that discussion. As good as Wes Burns was last season. I'm not saying he's been bad this season, but he's been no he's hit nowhere near those same heights. And you've mm. mentioned the players that are behind him. There will come a point where McKenna will go, I've got Carl Edwards, three assists against Northampton recently, someone who's played in, in you know, a bit of Premier League experience and championship. And there was a time where we talked about Crikey, how they managed to get Carl Edwards in League One. And then Kane Vincent Young, I'd go back a couple of seasons. He was in, there was three standout players for me at Ipswich and that was Norwood, Downs and Kane Vincent Young, I thought were their three best players. Um, And I thought he was one of their better players in pre-season, Kane Vincent Young as well. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure it's as as clear cut as Wes Burns. It's his his position. Um, Chances are it will be, but... I think he's he's got to go up another couple of gears to 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 see off some of that that threat. Pachi, mm. any any anything to throw into the mix there? Can Greg Lee play right um, side? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, he'd be he'd be my starter. I, I think he's got extra things to contend with now. He's clear. I think he's clearly getting a bit that bit more attention. Neither Vincent Young or Edwards made the bench at Accrington at the weekend, which I thought I thought was interesting. Um, He'd be my starter. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Vincent Young is is going to quite give you what Wes Burns give you. It's, it, I don't know. It, may, it makes me sad to say it, but I'm not. I'm not sure he does. It's not. He's not quite got the strength and the the hustle um, for me. So for me, it's, he'd be the starter. But you can't. You can't guarantee. I think Christian Walton is probably the only one that's genuinely sort of guaranteed a spot I'd probably put Sam Morsi in that as well um but beyond that there's there's real options but but I'd, I'd be going with Burns what a squad so generally the consensus here Davis and Burns with a small asterisk from the doctor Stuart Watson right then it gets really interesting now boys for the, the rest of these positions let's start with the man you just said is probably the only other kind of nailed on first team on the team sheet sort of vibe Sam Morsi the captain the super skipper the leader in central midfield at the moment, he's paired with Lee Evans, and that's going bloody well. But in terms of the other options in midfield, this is where it gets really interesting. So you've got Panuche Kamara, one of the best players in League One, by all accounts, over the last season or so. Dominic Ball, championship pedigree experience and a bloody unit as well. And then the young buck, the prodigy, the prospect in Ipswich Town, Cameron Humphreys. 
Yeah. He's slightly more a prospect than you, Roscoe. Different different courses for different horses. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of football, I'd suggest Cameron Humphrey's probably more of a prospect than you. Um, this is really interesting to me, boys, because particularly with Kamara, you don't buy someone like Kamara with everything that he's done and his kind of reputation in the game in League One level, unless you're going to play him, surely. You don't just bring him in as a backup. Um, so I'm really interested to see where you think it all comes out in the wash here, Hutchie. I think he might have to get used to being a bit of a backup, if I'm honest. I've, I'm I'm very happy with Morsi, Morsi and Evans. Um, if Evans wasn't available, I'd probably be turning to Dominic Ball in the deeper, the deeper role because K- Kamara's big attribute is his is his athleticism, his running. Um, mm. Not really required from from the Lee Evans role. That's the uh, that's the sweeping across the pitch, um, getting on the ball, moving the ball around, jumping on loose balls, kind of kind of role. Um, so, pretty simple for me. Morsi and Evans all the way. They let's dictate it, dictate the way that Ipswich play. Um, don't feel a need to be shaking that up, particularly. Okay. Ball. I think Ball will have his moments um, where he's needed. He obviously brings something a little bit different in terms of a bit more, maybe a little bit more muscle, but. Um, Kamara may well may well see more action higher up the pitch. I think rather than mm. rather than in this in this particular conversation. Did you see as an aside? Did you see Kamara's first interview with the club? He looked he looked incredibly nervous, and I just wanted to give him a, a big hug. Um, clearly, a, a bloody ruddy, bloody nice bloke. Uh, I'm very happy to be at Switch Town. Stewie, how do you see that that centre mid scenario playing out? I think it's the strongest area of their squad. When you, you look at those options that, that you've rattled off, Morsi, Ball and Evans are genuine bona fide championship players with seasons of experience under their belt. Kamara, they've signed one of the division's best performers in, in that position over the last couple of seasons. And then Humphreys as well. Um, I think long term they see Kamara more as a as a box-to-box number eight type but I think short-term, Andy's right. I think the, the Aluko injury maybe just tipped them into that if they were umming and ahhing about it. He's it, it, probably more likely to be part of that. Um, I wouldn't say rotation, but part of those sort of, you know, with the five subs now, someone who can who can come on and play their part higher up higher up the pitch. But it's, it's Morsi and Evans all day long at the moment because Evans is in their top three best performers at the start of this season comfortably. So there's no need to be changing, changing that for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. That's for sure. Is it worth a small pause for a Lee Evans appreciation discussion? Because last season, certainly he kind of divided opinion amongst Ipswich town fans um, in terms of his uses, his ability, his movement. Um, and now we're, we're singing his praises. What you say Evans has been among the, the top three Performance, Stewie. What what do you like about Lee Evans? What do you, what does he bring to the team? Um, facilitates others. He's just that sort of player's player, and in the same way that it's always that position is probably the the least glamorous. That sort of you know, Cole Scoo's always talked about. As long as my teammates mm. um, appreciate the job I'm doing, that's that's all that matters. He's never going to be the one that scores a ton of goals. Hat trick against Doncaster aside. Um, or necessarily provides that sort of last killer pass or whatever, but he's just, he allows Sam Morsi to go and do the job that he's doing now, getting into the box. 
later uh, allows wide men and fullbacks to to get forwards. Um, but you know, I, I I think I was quite consistent last season in saying that he was a big big miss during during his injury towards the back end of last season. I think people sort of under underestimated how much of an absence he was in the second half of last season, and um, that's starting to be noticed now. Okay, let's move the conversation on, Rossi. Um, still with an eye on on midfield, but also moving towards the attacking midfield because I really do think that has to be one of the reasons they brought Kamara in because he ticks so many boxes of what McKenna wants, doesn't he? He's athletic, he's versatile, he runs all day long, dynamic. Um, and clearly now there is an injury in that attacking midfield area. Um, so just I'll just run through the, the options as it stands going forward, that attacking midfield spot. Connor Chaplin, Marcus Harness, clearly two very informed players at the moment. Then you've got TJJ, the big cat, um, and Sonny Luca is obviously injured. You have to throw Panuche Kamara into that mix, I'd imagine. Um, how do you see that whole kind of scenario playing out? Well, Marcus Harness and Connor Chapson between have got 10 goals. Um, so Is that official players. now? Has Chaplin got the other one? No. He has. He has, yeah. Yeah, that That's is official. Given. Yeah, there I've had go. that confirmed by someone at the club. He has both those goals from Macrinton last season. If you have a look at all the uh, official reports, BBC, Sky and everything, it has all been amended now to uh, a Connor Chaplin brace. There we go then, Roscoe. Boom. So, yes, as you were saying, two go- two players with five goals already to their name this season. On you go. We just, we've got so, so much threat there. I know Luco is a shame about Luco. It's mm. probably not coming. I put him as my MVP this season. And uh, can I change that now? Because he's injured for like three months. Um, no. No. no? Oh, damn it. Uh, he'll come back and he'll be strong. But um, just to have the option, like Connor Chaplin came off the bench mm. to bring on Connor Chaplin against Ackerton Stanley. And he goes on to score two goals. Um you know, Connor Chaplin was a threat in the box for a corner, and he's only little, isn't he, Connor Chaplin? Um, and I, I want to give Lee Evans some praise, so I want to go back to midfield quickly because he has been fantastic. Set pieces have been a bit iffy, but that was a good set piece against Ackerton. But yeah, Chaplin, Harness, Tyrese John Jules, I think he, um, you know, he struggled against Ackerton. He, you know, was very physical against Ackerton's side, but he's another good young player who's going to bring some creativity. Um, and then, yeah, Kamara. You know, I think he's his opportunity there. If he's not playing in the midfield role, he can definitely come and be a part of the attacking role. Um, we just got a very good, you know, that I know midfield is strong, but attacking midfield is very strong as well. Mm. Yeah, the whole squad incredible, isn't it? So, are we all agreed then from what you're telling me? Morsey and Evans, midfield, Chaplin and Harness as a kind of two number tens. Is that consensus starting think- picks? When we talked about people being nailed on starters, you've talked about Walton and Morsi, Andy's mm. mentioned. I think Connor Chaplin's getting towards that territory at the moment. I think he'd probably be the next in terms of first names on, on the team sheet. Harness, we saw dropped once, didn't we? Mm. Um, for a recent home game, which was, was interesting. Not sure that will happen too much more going going forward. Those two are in, in the box seat big time, aren't they, at the moment? Mm. All of which brings us on to striker, boys, which is one of the big discussions the whole summer long. Town need a striker. They've got to bring this 20-goal-a-season striker in. We need a 20-goal-a-season striker to get promoted. As it stands, they've got Freddie Ladapo, they've got Gasson Ahadmi, and they've got Caden Jackson Hutchie. Do Town actually need, does any side actually need a 20-goal-a-season striker? Is a striker in, in McKenna's system someone who has to score loads of goals? Or is the striker there to do a lot of the water carrying and, and, and hard work and pressing? 
And maybe it's not really that important, given you've got players like uh, Chaplin, Harness, Morsey, um, Wes Burns, who are going to score a decent number of goals. They need to score a decent number of goals. Um, mm. I think I, I wrote this. I wrote this morning a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. I, I think if they could sort of total twenty-five between them, I think that would be absolutely fine. But that would require Chaplin Harness to 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 get close to twenty. One of them pushing to twenty. Burns, you'd want um, um, you'd want scoring double figures again. But they need to contribute goals. But they do need to contribute a lot more. I think Freddie. A lot more than goals as well. We mm. we saw Freddie Ladapo change the game at Atkinton on on Saturday, just coming off the bench and bringing that little bit more control um, to things. Um, and that's really important. They just to add some control in the final third, put a foot on the ball, um, work extremely hard um, as the first kind of line of defence and, uh, and pressing and everything like that. So. There's more to being a striker, not just in Kieran McKenna's football, but in in everybody's football in in right. football these days. But you, you are going to have to score some goals as well. That's that that is part of the job description. But Ladapo, you... sorry, Mark, I was just having a little look at the League One top goal scorers last season while we were having that chat. Will Keane was was top with twenty six, Ross Stewart on twenty four, but then four of the top six all had strikers under, all had top goal scorers under twenty. Mm. Smith at Rotherham was on 19, but then Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth and Wickham, their top goal scorers were all on 16 strikers, Gregory, Hardy, Vokes. So it just goes to show that it's not a prerequisite to have a 20-goal season striker to to be successful it's at any level, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, if, if that's what... Look, teams can be very successful with a big, with a hugely scoring striker, can't they? Of course they can, but if you've got if he is your main source of goals, you're in trouble if he's not around. Um, so I, I think I'd probably rather have this Ipswich team actually with with strikers who I think can score goals and two number tens in Harness and and Chaplin who are proper sharpshooters. They they mm. they can score goals. They they look a threat. So I'd probably rather have this makeup of a team than than one that's kind of plugging away. Like Cole Stockton, for example. How many did he score last year, Stuart? Have you got that list? Is it 23, 24? Yeah. It's no guarantee that you, just if you've got one of those, you're going to be at the top end of the league, is it? It's, um, <coughs> yeah, both Morecambe, both Morecambe and Cheltenham had 20 goal season strikers. Yeah. Alfie May on 23, Stockton on uh, 23 as well. So, there you go. It's one of these things that just gets trotted off the tongue, though, isn't it? You need a 20 goal season striker. It's like a mythical thing. Promotion side just needs a 20 goal season striker. Actually, Freddie Ladapo's in the box seat, right? He's going to be probably the starter most of the time. And had me, I think, could be a really interesting option off the bench, basically to cause chaos for the last half an hour, 20 minutes, put himself around, knock a few people uh, to the floor and see what kind of problems he can create. He would be, he'd be, Ladapo would still be my, <clears throat> he's got the number nine share, he'd still be my starter. I think Caden Jackson is, we've, we've seen that McKenna likes to use Caden Jackson in certain games and has we know the attributes that Caden's got. He's mm. the other the other guys have got some speed, but Caden's got that next level of pace that can stretch teams. And problem for Caden is yet yeah, we can get into the we can get into the positions. He can stretch, he can do all of that. But we saw at Accrington on Saturday that the one chance he got to do that, he didn't take. And um 
that's what he would need to do just to make sure that he's still going to be picked for those for those games where McKenna thinks he's going to be needed. But yeah, Ladapo would be the, the main man for me. And I see a lot in Ahadme that means that they've got something similar, albeit with a few different tweaks, but something similar stylistically so they don't have to completely change the style to which this team's played, which mm. this team's playing, dependent on the striker. Okay, I'm going to come to you for final thoughts, Dewey. Roscoe, Ladapo, would he be your striker? Because a, a lot, I'll say a lot, everything I've seen from him, I've, I've, I've liked. But obviously, strikers need to score goals, and he hasn't really done that yet. So um, people have been saying, we need a striker, we need a striker. What do you think about Ladapo? I like him. I like him. So he's starting for me. That, that's all I've got to say. Fair play. Watto, your work husband started us off with a, a general opening thought on the squad, finishes with your closing conclusions, if you like, on, on Ipswich Town squad. Just to wrap up on strikers, Ladapo is on paper their best striker. Let's not forget this is someone who's played in the championship that has scored goals. He's got close to that 20-goal figure before in, in this league, before I think 18 for Plymouth consistently in double figures for Rotherham at this level. The other two strikers can't hold a a candle to, to those records, you know, uh, mm. had me at the start of his career. Jackson um, hasn't hit those sort of numbers. So, yeah, I, I think Ladapo will, has to be seen as the main man up front. Um, closing statement on the squad. It's, it's, it's a good squad, isn't it? You know, two, you two players plus for every position, it's getting to the stage with the two extra signings on deadline day that I was starting to think it's almost looking a bit too big and it can cause you some problems. Um, obviously, they've just tried to future-proof it in case there's another Luco injury or, or two on, on the horizon, which you never know. But um, with the five substitutes rule, I think we'll, we're going to keep looking, but we look back on this season and think, actually, the five subs rule at this juncture with the squad the Ipswich have had is going to really, really benefit them when looking at those players that we've we've just gone through. Okay, let's draw a line under that then, boys. A good 40-minute squad analysis discussion there. Um, a little bit mischievous now, Hutchie. Turn to something a little bit with a wistful look in the eye. Um, things happening in the Premier League. Tommy, Tommy Tuchel kicked out of Chelsea. He had the aggressive handshake. Um, looks like Graham Potter of Brighton could well be next in at Chelsea. When the odds come out for a new Brighton manager, a certain Mr. K Money, K Mac, Kieran McKenna could well be in there because that's what bookies do. What do you reckon? Um, I think it's going to be an obvious conversation. I think it's already started amongst Ipswich fans, hasn't it? Yeah. About um I would I would say no. Uh, I don't think it is one that they would go. Uh, the League One to the Premier League is a huge, huge jump for for someone to take. Um, at at this point, obviously, obviously, Kieran's got pedigree beyond League One, hasn't he? But um, I would say he's 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 got to get a promotion on his CV to then be being looked at for these jobs. But it it will happen if if he keeps being successful here. This is a situation we've not been in with Ipswich for a very long time in terms of managers being looked at from elsewhere. Um, so I'd be I'd be very surprised if it came at this point, but it's um, maybe something to get to get used to going yeah, uh, it, it's, going it's, forward. It's a kind of side effect of success, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, Any kind of it's a good manager. thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. 
you can't really remember the last time a, a kind of sitting at Switch Town manager was linked to jobs further up the up the divisions, particularly in the Premier League. So it's something we're going to have to get used to if McKenna continues to um, have success at Ipswich Town because he's, he's an exciting, dynamic, new school young manager, isn't he? I think if you'd have gone back probably as recently as five years ago, um, there's not a chance that I don't think a Premier League club takes a punt, um, inverted commas, on someone like McKenna. Mm. Football is all about fashions and it's we're, we're in an era now of young, up-and-coming, intelligent, homegrown managers. We've gone through sort of a phase where, you know, everyone went and got Borussia Dortmund 2's manager in Germany, and, and at the mm. moment we're in an era of the young English coach with, with you know, who's got all their badges and everything. So uh, Brighton have kind of done it with Potter once. It's not surprising, but not impossible. Um, and I know McKenna sat there at the fans forum on, on Monday and said all the right things once again about I picked Ipswich for a reason. I wanted a project and I think, you know, he, he won't want to, to leave this too early. But the proof will be in the pudding when something like a Brighton, and I'm not saying it does, falls on his doormat all of a sudden. That's that's a different conversation because... Um, Managers are no different to players. They've got their own careers to think about. And Kieran McKenna is at the very start of his. And I don't think Brighton or anyone else would look at him necessarily as just a League One manager because he's been Manchester United's assistant manager. He's worked with Jose Mourinho. He's He's got all of that on his CV. So I, I think it probably is a little bit too soon for, for that move at the moment. But, but a high-flying Brighton in the Premier League is probably just in that wheelhouse where it's or oh, could just test the waters a, a little bit. Hope, hopefully it doesn't. Yeah, we're going to have to get used to it though, aren't we? Let, let's stick with you, Stuart, because you mentioned the fans forum there. We should reflect on that because that's happened since we last spoke. Um, you covered that on, on Monday night. Uh, you've done a video actually with Roscoe in terms of takeaway. So if you want a more in-depth chat about what you made of that, go and watch that. It's on our YouTube channel. But um, fans forum, Stuart, any, anything to kind of bring up and, and mention there? Um, I won't go into all the various bullet points of the night. I'll let people go back and look at our, our live coverage and various mm. stories that we've done and a standalone video. But what I will just say is what what a tangible feel-good factor there was in the room. I think every every question started with a thank you to the panel. Thank you to Kieran. Thank you to Mark Ashton for, um, in my view, slightly overviewed overused phrase over the years giving us our club back um but a lot a lot of thanks and praise to the panel there was some nice stories there was a, a dad who stood up and and just said look I take you back a few years i used to you know took my young son and he, he turned to me one day in the midst of a boring nil nil draw and said daddy have i been a good boy today and yes can we go home then and he said, and now, now he's begging me to go every week. And there, there were multiple other stories of people that said, I gave up my season ticket in the 2000s and I'm back for the first time. And um, real feel-good factor about, about the evening. It was um, it was good. Yeah, and just continuing the theme of communication. The communication's been top-notch, hasn't it, since since Ashton's come in. And these are, these are great things to have for fans. Right then, new feature time. Now, I listen, as I'm sure many of you do, and if you don't, you should do. You should listen to the Tractor Girls Talk podcast with our very own Roscoe, an innovator, a forward thinker, an exciting planner of new things. 
Roscoe has introduced a new feature on that very podcast this season called 10 Questions With. Whence you ask the same, I believe it's the same 10 questions, isn't it? To a variety yeah. of personalities around the Ipswich Town women's side. And I was listening to it and I thought, you know what? I like this. This could work on the on our pod. Um, so I've brought it in. We're going we're gonna to slightly change it because it's going to be different questions. But the idea is each of us is going to take turns asking questions of the other kings. Mike Bacon included, which is going to be almost pay-per-view TV when that happens. And we're going to kick it off today, Roscoe, because you are the originator of the idea. You're going to be the questioner. And I think because you've already interviewed Stuart Watson about his life and times, um, and the next most interesting person is clearly Andy Warren that we need to hear from. So I'm going to invite you now for the next 10 minutes, Max, to quiz Warren. 10 questions with Andy Warren. Over to you, my friend. Okay then, well, thank you very much for that praise, Heafy. It's not the most original idea ever, because I'm sure everyone has done 10 questions with and all that stuff, but it's just a nice little way to get to know your guest, get to know the kings, and uh, for the listeners, I hope you enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so actually, let's get right into it. Now, the first question is about your name. So if you had to change your name, what would your new name be? Like Andy Warren, Andrew is a nice name, of course, but if you had an opportunity... You. yeah. Well done, mum and dad. But um, if you could change your name, what would it be? Probably Adolf Hutchler. <laughs> yeah. If I'm on it, yeah. Just cut, cut to the chase. You just don't get kids called Adolf these days, do you? It doesn't happen. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll just cut to the chase and go with Mark's uh, suggestion of Adolf Hutchler, which would serve me absolutely fine, I'm sure. No, no it's, issues there. You'd certainly get noticed. Have we mentioned on the pod about your mate who changed his name before? I think Probably. We might have done. I can tell you again if you want. He had to change yeah. it. He had to change it back, sadly, for his wedding. But I had a, a friend of mine, Sam, good friend, uh, went to school with him, who for a significant period of his life um, had the middle name Egg Mayonnaise. <laughs> His name was Sam Egg Mayonnaise Baker. This um, was a drunk, drunken bet, was it? What? What's the? Uh, I can't even remember what the bet was, but he clearly, clearly lost it. Loves eggs. Um, changed his name to Sam Egg Mayonnaise Baker for a prolonged period. Um, yeah, changed it back to get married though. Shame. Should have stuck with it. Yeah, Roscoe. Yeah. Roscoe, yeah. sorry, we've jumped all over that. Question two. No, that's fine, it's fine. Um, now, you, you've sort of spoiled it in the green room, but um, the next question is favourite fruit. I like fruit, and I want to know what is Andy's favourite fruit. What are you going for, Andy? Sorry for spoiling for spoiling that. Um, my favourite fruit is mango. I invite you to ask any further questions. Why? Because it's tasty and juicy uh, and very, very nice. Stuart Watson likes mango. He asked me to feed him some in the car on the way home on Saturday night, and I refused to do it because that's that's odd. Um, but mango, mango is a very nice fruit. I can't imagine I, anyone anyone doesn't like mango. I, you I happy? Probably... Happy with that? You okay? Am with I it? happy? I'm yeah. I'm good with it. Yeah, I love mango. I, I'd probably draw the line like you at hand feeding Watto in the car. <laughs> do you remember when Ross discovered oranges? <laughs> he went through a stage of self-discovery with food do you remember when we was back in the studio yeah a few years ago and he'd just come in and go do you know what i've just realized i like oranges it's oranges there was do. prawns 
prawns. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one I can't remember now, but yeah, it was it was, a, it was an exciting time in young Ross's life, that voyage of self discovery. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, I like fruit very much. So I'll have some more fruit today. Um, now <laughs> it's time for Would You Rather, Andy. Oh, no. Oh no. <laughs> no, it's easy. Um and sort of talking about baths and all that. Would you rather have a bath or a shower? I would rather have a bath. Do you feel like you're getting to know me much, much more now? Yeah. Mangoes, baths. Yeah. Still having the lunchtime bath on a working day? No, mate, that that will skyrocket the energy bill. That's <laughs> that's had to go. Uh, although if uh, if the new incoming Norwich supporting Prime Minister uh, do, just chucks a load of money at it. Maybe I can get back in the bath at half past twelve on a Thursday afternoon. Stick on an episode of Naked Attraction. Only in only in the premiere in, mate. Only in the premiere in. The man's got to have a code. Yeah. Well, then know, when it gets to win, when it gets to winter, you know, you do get a bit chilly, don't you? I know you put the heating on, but you fa- you fancy a little bath, a little bubble. But do you have bubbles in your bath and all that? You got a rubber ducky and all that. Rubber ducky. Um, I've got a lot of rubber ducks in the bathroom. Uh, my daughter's got lots. Don't yeah. use them. I will put a little bit of bubble bath in. Um, the uh, the muscle relax one from Sainsbury's. If you're asking in the purple purple thing, put a little bit in. But I've I've whenever I run a bubble bath, put a bit of bubbles in the bath. It always just creates loads of bubbles at the tap end. I try my best just to swirl it around and spread them out across the bath, but it just creates this massive mound of bubbles underneath the taps where I want it. I want it over me, <laughs> covering me from the neck down. What a visual. Uh, oh. do, can I ask supplementary questions, Rossi, while we're on the bath theme? Yeah. Um, Hutchie, do you like candles? Do you listen to some classical FM or something like that? Really sink in and relax? no candles um i quite often listen to a little bit of music or watch something but i have have a bath in in the dark i won't have any lights on in there okay we really are learning things about you (laughs) we are we are um next question is it's from the original track the girls talk 10 question with it is what is the one item you can't live without and now I asked this to my girlfriend, Sasha, and she said it's very broad, Ross. One item. It could be anything. Because um, obviously, water and food and all that, you got you can't live without that. If you, you don't eat that, you, you die. But um, what is the one item you can't live without? Dishwasher. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not washing up dishes. I'll, I'll, wash up, I'll, I'll save washing up for items with non-stick stuff, because you do not put your non-stick items in the dishwasher. But I'm not. I don't need to be washing up all the plates as well because I haven't got enough enough sideboard area. So I'll I'll go I'll go dishwasher, but still wash up all the big, all the big pans. Okay, then. you really well, do like know me now. This is getting to the heart yeah. of me. This is your awesome. essence. We are finding out what makes you tick. Yeah. We're getting really deep now, though, boys. Oh no, really deep now. Oh, oh no. So, what is the hardest thing you had to overcome, Andy? <laughs> Oof, pull up the psychiatrist's couch have a lie <laughs> down <laughs> i've had a very easy life i won't lie to you i've had it's been a smooth road some bumps along the way but a pretty smooth road there are people out there facing much bigger challenges than me um at the moment but um i would say something i've had to overcome and we are going to get deep here shyness 
used to be quite shy wasn't didn't didn't like talking to people that I didn't know um didn't enjoy sort of putting myself out to do to do things and um a big memory of that involves Mike Bacon actually because back in the day when I was probably fifth maybe 15 16 um I did some work experience um, at the East Anglian Daily Times, and I met Mike for the first time, and I was so intimidated by him. I had to sit; I sat opposite him for a week. I don't. I got the impression he didn't have an awful lot of time for work experience. Kids, little did he know that twenty years later would be like this. But um, I had to make some phone calls and stuff, and I always waited until he was on the phone to somebody else to make my phone calls to like interview people and speak to people because I, I was just so nervous of doing it because um, he's that intimidating and I thought he was watching me and judging me but um, over time I've got over that and um, it's important to communicate with people kids don't just email people all the time talk to them ring them talk it'll help you just clip that. We'll send that off to the awards panel. Lovely. Um, Are you I'd wiping tears Mike... from your eye there, Mike? I am, mate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what I hoped for from this feature. I'd imagine Mike was happy you were there, Hutchie, because there was now someone shorter than him on, on the sports desk. I'm um, taller probably... than him. Were you then, though? <laughs> yeah, I've been, mate, I've been this height since I was 15. I've not grown. <laughs> this is great stuff. On you go, Rossi. Um, changing a bit of the mood here. Um, now, if you were arrested with no explanation... What would your friends and family assume you had done? This could be quite dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not going to be quite dark. Um, I think they would assume it was something absolutely pathetic, like <laughs> failure to pay council tax, not <laughs> registering on the electoral roll, um, bin vandalism, um, something ridiculously stupid that that escalated too far uh that either that or being a spy you have of course actually been arrested at gunpoint actually so that's that's a life experience you've identity had. that identity theft that was for yeah mm. so maybe that again <laughs> fair enough there we go um he's now. gone and stolen adolf hutchler's name isn't he <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good spy? Is that a good spy name, or is that if is that like a bit obvious? Red flags, red flags. Yeah. Can you try when you next have a road trip? Can you try checking into the hotel as Adolf Hutchler? Just see what happens. (laughs) Or at the very least, when you get a coffee at Starbucks, give that as your name. (laughs) Just try it out. It's a good way of trying out a new name, just because then they have to read it out and you see if you feel comfortable with it. I could say, what can I say? Just like Adolf or Addy for short and see which one they go with. That would say a lot about them as well. I like it. Okay, then. Time to talk about your attributes, Andy. What is your best attribute? That is a glorious word to say in a Suffolk accent, isn't it? (laughs) Attribute. Attribute. Um, Calm. The older I've gotten, the more I've been happy to be quite calm i like that slash boring there's a fine line um but but yeah i, I think i nestle on a nice 
a nice uh, play there. That or my calves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Eyelashes. I feel like they're regressing a little bit, and they're not actually that helpful, mate, because they're they're very heavy, and they <laughs> they kind of they do pull my eyelids down, which don't give me the biggest really? field. Do you get of... tired just blinking? It's not tiredness; it's field of vision. Like, um, it, it they do genuinely kind of drag my eyelids down and impact on my eyesight a little. So I do, I do have to kind of try and keep them up, which is brings a real stress. Not as much stress as the sweaty back, which I'm so glad the sweaty back season is over. By the way, that's um, the the lengths that I went to to kind of avoid that were were pretty spectacular. So. I was assuming when Ross asked what he'd have to overcome, that would be right up there on the list. Yeah, yeah, I did consider that. Like, I was taking ice packs to games this season. I, wow. cy- I was cycling down with an. Like, Stu can attest to this. I, I had an ice pack shoved down my back while sat in my seat at Portman Road. While I cycled down, I had an ice pack up against my back. It was brilliant. And it's so good. And I'll be doing it again next year. <laughs> okay, then. Swiftly move on to a bit of dollar. Boom, boom, boom. What is the first thing you would do if you won a million pounds, million dollars, million euros, whatever? whatever. Doesn't matter. Put every penny on Sam Morsi to score against Cambridge. <laughs> Fair enough. It's your money. It's your money. Your money. Um, now, what is something that doesn't really smell great, but you keep wanting to smell it anyway? <laughs> this is. I found this really, really difficult because... That just means that I think it smells great. Mm. So I'm just going to say here, the sport of Speedway, all of it. I love the rubber. I love the methanol. I love the sweat. Um, And that's just sitting next to Mike Bacon while watching it, which I'm going to do tonight. Um, Yeah, the smell of Speedway. Do you want me to say something like dog poo here, don't you? Is that that that's basically what you no. wanted? No. I like the smell of petrol. Yeah. Yeah, but is Pet- is that just generally accepted to be good though? Yeah, yeah. I would go I do love the smell of petrol, but is is that too is it just generally accepted to be good? I think so. I think so. Okay then. Big question to end. And I'll put it to myself as well. Hutchie. What was your first impressions of me? Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to really think about it because I'll be completely honest, mate. I've got absolutely no recollection of the first time mm. I met you or my opinion of you. But I very quickly came to the opinion about you that you are rubbish with money. Because um, in our old office, we used to have this sandwich guy come round <laughs> with his overpriced little sandwiches uh and flapjacks they were good but yep. you spent so much money on that sandwich man every single day and that, i think that 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 is my first that's my first memory of you um now you're spending thousands a month on failed driving tests um, <laughs> tests yeah sorry we've not reached we've not reached that point yet because practical tests are twice as expensive aren't they yep. if not more so yep. yeah that's a new point um sort it out you might have sorted it out. So I don't know what's happened to that sandwich, man. I'm not sure that COVID was particularly kind to the office-to-office travelling sandwich man um, in terms of his business. But, um, would you, would are, you you, are, you, are you still in touch? 
You, he's like, <laughs> no. you seem to have quite the bond. Yeah, I, f- I think I probably wasted a lot of time just speaking with him. And I'm probably looking over my shoulder and went, oh, God, the boy's thinking, oh, come on, Ross, you've got to work here. What are you doing? He just likes to chat. He likes to chinwag. Um, but nice sandwiches, nice flapjacks. Very good. <laughs> Mate, he loved nice. you. He yeah. loved you. I think he, he he was you were paying his electricity bill even he, then. If I remember correctly, he came one day. He came over and you you. I think we'd been saying to you, "Come on, Ross, you're a young man. You know, <laughs> you, you need to start saving here if you want to start thinking about sort of getting a car and a house. You know, to, you say five pound a day, and we finally got it through to you, and you was like, "I'm holding firm today." You didn't buy one, and he just sidled over at the end of his shift and slid you a free sandwich. For loyalty it's like a drug like a drug dealer just getting you making sure you couldn't beat your habit yeah the next day i then went up and got myself a sandwich I went, yeah was couldn't stop in. i was back covid covid saved you there it, it got it, it, it did get you out of that habit it's, every cloud I'm addicted. I'm addicted to the bakery around the corner from me now so and yeah not good not good what, but there we what go are get, what are you getting from the bakery um Something called oh what are they called again? I get a flapjack of course, but there's something else I get. A paradise slice, it's called a paradise slice. What's a Very paradise nice. slice? What do, what's um, in there? It's spongy, got like a nice little cherry inside, a bit of sugar on top. Just nice. It's nice balance. It's nothing. It's not too too rich. It's just nice just balance. Nice. Yeah, nice balance bakery treat. I but feel like we, I feel like we've learned a lot, obviously about Hutchie, but also about Roscoe. From those questions um and the, and the nature of what you wanted to ask and i'm now intrigued by a paradise slice ross you need to buy me one of those um there we go then that's the end of our first 10 questions with i hope you enjoyed it i certainly did uh we'll make a draw on monday show as to who will be the questioner and the question next thursday of course there is a midweek game to discuss next week as well finally friends after that successful launch of that first that new feature we have to talk about cambridge united at portman road this weekend um, and discuss, of course, million pound picks. Cambridge United, a side picked as a dark horse by our very own Roscoe, our very own David Frost there, um, and picked for relegation by the big poor sign, Mike Bacon. They've started pretty well, boys. They're in the top six, um, and they've got a pretty decent record, actually, against Ipswich Town. They've not played them a lot, but obviously they, they won at Portman Road earlier this year, ending, effectively, the playoff push for Kieran McKenna. How are we feeling about this one, Stewie? Cambridge United, on paper, people will say it's the game that Town will win pretty easily. Um, what do you reckon? In general, as an occasion, <clears throat> buzzing. Can't wait for it again at the moment. they just Every home game feels like an occasion. 25,000 tickets sold already. Um, so it's going to be another big bumper crowd. As I said, that that sense, that crackle of anticipation in the air at the moment. I think as early as like Monday, Tuesday, people are cut, you know, building up to the weekend already. The fact it's a double home header, Saturday, Tuesday always feels like a really special moment in seasons for me. Hips, which haven't been able to do the sort of back-to-back home wins Saturday, Tuesday for, for quite some time now. And I just think that could really supercharge the momentum. At the moment, it's cautious, cautious optimism. If you go and win two home games in the space of four days, then that that would become genuine belief and confidence around both internally and externally, I think. Yeah. Cambridge United, uh, they've got a player nominated for League One Player of the Month in Sam Smith, not the singer. Scored, I think he's got four goals uh, last month, including a hat-trick against Burton. And players formerly of this parish, Hutchie, in, uh, in Jack Lancaster and Diggers, 
Paul Digby has gone on to be some, become something of a stalwart at the Abbey Stadium. Um, by way of segueing into a prediction, what, what do you make of this game ahead of your million pound picks? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, they they lost they lost at home to Cambridge last season. Need need to improve on. They've done such a good job so far this season on in on improving on things mm. that they didn't do well last season. Almost every game they did it again at Accrington. They lost there last season, won there this time. It's just in, improvement. They won at Forest Green, having not beaten a promoted side. Um, they drew with Bolton when they only lost to them at home last season. So everything is improving. There was a 13-point gap between Ipswich and the playoffs last season, and they've they pretty much closed that already. Kind of, if if you think about it in that in that way. And this is another big one to try and to try and do that. Um, from memory, Ipswich, you know, had had some decent moments in there, but I think Tom Tom Carroll played in that game. Is my is my memory of it? I think that's my memory of it is realizing that. I didn't think Tom Carroll really looked like he was enjoying football anymore. Um, and they worked the ball, but couldn't couldn't find the goal. So really want to go and see them win this one and, and just tick off another thing and, and keep on keep on moving, keep on moving forward. Um, but you have to go into these games feeling confident that they are because because all the evidence that's come come before it is that, that things are things are going well and um yeah, should be another should be another really good afternoon. Hopefully, they can uh, convert that into three more points. Mm. Do you, uh, Stu said an interesting on, on Monday's pod when we start to talk about this game is that be, because Cambridge have started quite well, they're in fifth fifth place in the league at the moment. That could actually be a good thing for Town that they may come to Portman Road with more ambition than perhaps they would normally. Yeah, not yeah. This is that, that look. I think I think Cambridge at this point won't be sitting there thinking that we're going to be challenging for automatic promotion. But they'll be buoyed by that. They're not gonna that the players. They're not going to be in the mindset of going to places and grinding out points. They'll be coming with confidence and, and confidence. Confidence can bring openness, can't it? And um and and if it's like that, it would suit it would suit Ipswich. Um, I'm expecting it to be quite open. I quite like Mark Bonner and and what he's done at, at Cambridge. Um. And it's definitely veering towards the the Ross Hall's uh, sort of end of that prediction, rather than the Mike Bacon one, isn't it? They're um, they're definitely more of a dark horse than a relegation candidate. So I think it should be a really a really good game. Mm. Just a couple of things to mention: Cambridge's away form has not been great. Although they they sit fifth in the table, they took one hell of a beating at Pompey four one earlier in the season. Uh, they lost to Oxford away as well. Uh, got a point at at, uh, at Charlton. Um, lost heavily at Southampton in the in the AFL Cup as well. I'm um, oh, sorry, excuse me, that was at home. I do apologise. Uh, and in terms of possession, I think I heard a stat that says Cambridge have got the fourth lowest possession stat in League One. So maybe they're going to be comfortable out of possession at Portland Road because you'd imagine Town are going to boss the possession. Give us your, your million pound pick then, Hutchie. I've got three. Yep. If you'll indulge me. Um, Morsi to score. Do you want to give me odds as we go, or do you want to do them all at the end? Uh, Morsi score, I'll give you the standard eight to one. Standard, 50 yep. grand, thank you. Four or more goals in the game? Um, Cambridge have been scoring goals a lot, haven't they? As well as conceding. And they've got Sam Smith, who I said is, is pretty well in form. So will they, will they score? Will Town score loads? I'm going to give you... I'll give you 15 to one on that. Okay, um, have a little fifty grand on that as well. Mm-hmm. 
50, 50, 50. And then this one's a bit more abstract. Um, I think come Monday's podcast, we are going to be talking about a moment where Janoi Danassian could or should have scored a goal. It's, content- it's, it's a bit abstract. You're gonna have, we'll have to be the judge of it afterwards. He's not that, gonna score. That's the bet. Yeah, Janoi Danassian will get a whiff of a goal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, right. Well, you you won't be discussing it on Monday because you're not here. Um, but in terms of that bet, Janoi Danassian's never scored. Has he? Has he ever scored a senior goal in football? He has. One. But obviously, I think he. Ha- not, I think he has one. Not for Ipswich Town. I'll give you. That's not the same scoring, though, is it? We're saying he's going to have a whiff. A hint but I like, this is a, a serious conversation, not just he was on the edge of the box and the crowd shouted shoot and he didn't. Like, All right. Not I'll... not and not a guilt edge chant. We're not talking Morecambe here, but just a genuine discussion point was, oh, Genoi nearly scored. I'll give you 33 to 1 on that. We'll have 10 grand on that, please. Excellent. And finally... What is your prediction? Which uh, is not a bet, just a prediction. 3-1 Ipswich. That is exactly what I said in my preview um, ahead of these games. I said 3-1 town. Stewie of House Watson, what are you saying? First goal, massive. If Ipswich can start fast and get that breakthrough, I think it will be comfortable. If they don't, could could be a bit of a parking of the bus and... Lots of possession, bit of frustration, but I, I think they will get that that early breakthrough and um, two nil, three one, three one, two nil, Roscoe. I've gone for two nil as well, as Stu said. Get the goal first. Happy days, town fans leaving the ground happy and finally beating Cambridge after last year's games against them. So we're all saying win, fantastic. Let's hope we're all right to varying degrees of, of success. And let's hope we are talking about Gino Dynastian. What happens if he actually has scored, Hutchie? Is that, is that still the same bet? No. Okay, so we're just saying no. with. Yeah, well, I think it, that would be a completely different discussion, wouldn't it? Um, I, I, would, I would say no. I think it's void if he actually achieves it. Absolute scenes if Genoi scores at Portman Road. Oh, yeah, big time. Absolutely tremendous. Right then, friends, it's been something on, of an epic. On the subject of bets, sorry, I know we're dragging this out. And you know, Andy was keen to make sure that there was some sort of punishment in place. If, mm. um, you know, I said I'd guaranteed Ipswich will finish in the top six. Andy yeah. wanted to add a bit of jeopardy to it. Got to have, we, mate, we, can I stop you? You have, you can't just make these things without, without some jeopardy. Because I, I, oh, I guarantee that Stu's going to eat six pies at the weekend and then he doesn't what happens nothing so okay well we've we've come up we've come up with the jeopardy now um as the teams came out the other day um i don't know how we got onto this but we decided that the punishment should be for the final game of the season i should be one of the mascots that comes out full kit maybe shorts pulled up jimmy bullard star i don't know but but holding hands with probably connor chaplin would look the most ridiculous Maybe Sam Morsi at the front of the queue, but Andy thinks that would be a suitable punishment that I have, I have to be the mascot. I absolutely love that. But can we lock that in? Will Town let us do that? I'm sure they will. And they'll they? be loving it because they've just yeah. finished outside the top six as well. So everything's going to feel great <laughs> at that point. Um, just just let Stewie walk out as a mascot, will you, Sam Morsi? Yeah. He'll be fine with that after they've just finished seventh. 
if they if they ultimately miss out on the final day of the season, that will roll over to the opening day of the following season, which will just add an extra layer to an already exciting fifth season in League One getting up maybe, underway. Maybe it would be best to, to actually delay that. If they do finish outside the top six, given that's going to be a pretty morose final game of the season, maybe it's best to, to bring it to the, the first home game of the next season. Really get spirits lifted with Watson walking out as a mascot. No, with your name the on the back of the shirt. Yeah, if the club will facilitate it, I'll, I'll do it. Superb. But they are obviously going to finish in the top six, Jerry, so we don't need to worry about that. Right, one final thing to, to discuss, Hutchie, and it's very quick from you. We've been asked a couple of times on Mailbag um, in the last couple of weeks about who's going to win the Super Bowl. The American football season starts this weekend. Who's going to win? Who's going Green to be Bay. the top team? Green Bay going Green. to win? Who are they going to beat? Buffalo. Okay. I'm saying 49ers beat Buffalo. That's what I'm saying. Friends, any other business before we move on? It's been a bit of an epic today. We're approaching 75 minutes of podcast gold, which has been up and down. It has some real highs. There's been some lows too, which is what we try and bring you on every show. Anything else to mention, boys? Who's on fan social, Roscoe, tonight? Uh, Peachy. Peachy, my start. Um, ben Diaf and Steve <laughs> from good old Devon. Good old Devon. You've always said it. Um you're going to be discussing your top beers, aren't you, friend? Yeah, or the ultimate free taps at Portland Road. So when you rock up at Portland Road, what will be the free ultimate taps you'll be picking? Um, because that came a little bit of a, a talking point, didn't it, um, on Monday mm. when I showed that disgusting six taps that were available in that one pub that someone shared. I'm looking forward to, to hearing this chat. I'm, we're going to give our own next week when you've, when you've discussed it and we can maybe get a bit of a vote going. Right then, friends, that brings us to the end of the show. All that leaves me then to say is please support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all the excellent stuff they've got there. And also support us across all our social medias, Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you'd like uh, because that helps people find us, discover us and join the KOA Army, Ipswich Town host Cambridge United this weekend. We'll all be there. If you see us, come and say hello. Uh, if you're going, enjoy the game. If you're not, follow it all with us. And we'll be back on Monday to break it all down. Have a great weekend, friends. We'll see you on the other side.